Hello and welcome back to the A3 Footy Podcast. My name is Alex Catalano. Today, Alex Miller, we've got plenty to discuss in the world of AFL footy. Namely, David Noble, he has stepped down at North Melbourne. He's no longer the coach of the club after plenty of weeks of speculation. Yes, well, uh, Doc called it last week. He said to us that uh, Big David won't last a week and uh, his son put the final nail in the coffin, Doc. He said, uh, I love you, Dad, but I'm putting you away. But um, look, we're going to have a great discussion a little bit about what's going to happen at North. I'm very excited to get your views, boys, but very keen for this big episode. Yeah, ma- massive, massive uh, weekend of footy that's just happened, Miller. And geez, I tell you what, I, I don't like being right in this sort of in this sort of circumstance because I, I look. We'll get we'll get right to it. I, I think I think North have done David Noble very very dirty. Uh, yeah. I, I think he said it, he said it best in the press conference uh, yesterday. You know, thirty eight games is nowhere near enough for yeah. um a, a coach to to you know work, work out and. He, he he basically stepped in when North had basically gutted all its list and they're basically mm. on square one. And I think a lot of people know, or at least some pe- a lot of people should know, that North were going to be in it for the long haul. Yeah. And, and I, I just don't... I find it completely baffling as well on, on uh, basically days after... I reckon probably one of the best games they've ever played this mm. year, North. Um, they, they ran North... They ran Collingwood to the wire. Should have probably won it, but they basically fell fell off in the last quarter but I just want to get your thoughts boys about about how it, how it all went down yeah it, it feels very similar to me Miller to the circumstances with David Teague's uh, yeah. sacking as well obviously yeah. North are in a much worse position than Carlton ever were when Teague came in obviously they won a couple of wooden spoons before he got in but um, I feel like list position wise everybody always thought Carlton's yeah. list was you know looking strong and just needed a couple more pieces whereas North obviously going through a pretty full-scale rebuild um, it's almost like he was set up to fail in certain ways and I think once the right people got a hold of him um, some in the media which we won't dive too deep into but um, it almost seemed like his fate had been sealed for the past month or so I think they would have had to have a pretty drastic turnaround for him to be uh, really any chance of keeping his job until the end of the season, even. I just think it's strange, Cat, as well, that, like, as Doc said, 38 games. That's mm. not enough for any coach to coach a rebuild. Well, that's Clarko, it. Teague, Teague was 50, 50 games yeah. as well, so pretty similar sort of circumstances. Any coach, Cat, given the, the situation North in, could not have turned them into a top eight, let alone a flag candidate in, in 38 games. So I don't know what was expected, and I think... It's kind of strange because I feel like a lot of North Melbourne fans were uh, just preparing for the rebuild, but I feel like the board's going to take some accountability, boys. I think that they're more at fault um, because it's all well and good sacking the coach, but why give him, as you said, Kat, the job in the first place where it almost was like, I don't know, I felt like maybe he, the objectives weren't clear set out to mm. David Noble, who's a great footy mind. We, we've seen what he's done at Brisbane, list management-wise, he's done a great job and assembling that list over the last five to six years with their rebuild. Um, and I just think it's astounding as well, Doc, that North haven't offered him any backroom job given uh, David Noble's pedigree and his knowledge of football in general. But I just think that there's a lot more issues going on than just a head coach. And, yeah, I think it's pretty average how he's been treated. I, I, I think up until last weekend, the, a lot of the blame should have been on the playing group because – you could just see with the way that they played, and particularly against that Geelong game in the second half, where we covered on it last week. But it, but it's been basically the story for most of the year that there's a, a lack of care, and then yeah. there's a and we said it last week. There's a lack of experience with within the playing group, and that's what they need to what mm. they needed to go grab. And 
I think no matter where you look, no, David Noble's had some some form of success. He was he was he was a he was a big football football boss at Brisbane. He helped helped them find themselves back into relevancy. Um, and before that, he was a part he was a part of Adelaide as well. And at a time where they were where they were up and about in, in the finals contention as well. So this man knows a, a fair bit about football. I, I think oh, it's yeah. fair to say. Um, and and look. He hasn't been a coach for a long, long time. I mean, yeah, he's been footy boss at Brisbane, and surely that and that, that comes with its own sort of sort of trials and tri- and regulations. But uh, I, uh, as we said, it it, it feels it, I feel like the playing group have, have have let down David Noble a lot this year. And yeah, we can make the excuse. Yeah, they're young. Yeah, they're they're, they're inexperienced. But the and we we go back to earlier in the year when they played Brisbane. And that, and there was that, and there was that old report about David Noble being too harsh on the players, and 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 bits of the playing group and a few of the playing group sort of were offside because of it. Yeah. But that's that, that those those are the points. So you've got to take it in as a player. I mean, I mean, I've 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 been I've been shouted at. I've been told off for for things you know playing footy over the years. You know, that, that it is what it is. You know, I I don't. You know, I'm, I'm not not pouting pouting about it like a little child. I'm not not going to throw the toys out of the cot. You're out there to play. You're out there to play footy, and you're out there yeah. to do a job. And, and if the coach is telling you you're not doing you're not doing a good enough job, you got to own it. Yeah, I think the thing is obviously off field. We don't know everything that goes down Miller within club doors, but when you look at on field, some of the differences between this year and last year with North mm. Melbourne, I think we can point to him not really getting the best out of the older players in the squad. Obviously, there's been interruptions for a lot of them. You know, the likes of Jed Anderson um, has had injury issues to worry about. Jack Siebel is probably coming well and truly out of his prime, you'd have to say. But even some guys, we talked about Luke McDonald earlier, who hasn't been um, quite the same level of player through the second half of the year that he has always been. Greenwood, I don't think, has been the same guy he was at Gold Coast since he's come in. No. Um, And I think we even touched on that as well. You know, it definitely didn't help him that Aiden Core came in injured for the entire year last year. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's something you can't help. But um, I think just when you look at the squad, the young guys, you can't really fault them. They're still learning. They need these guys to look to to stand up. Um, and they haven't done that throughout the year. I really think the only guys of the more experienced brigade that have been in a similar kind of form to last year is probably Hall and Goldstein. Probably the only yeah. two I could really say. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Kat. I think it's going to be interesting as well because on the weekend we saw the young players in particular stand up. I thought uh, Curtis Taylor was really, really good all day. He had a great game. Davis Uniac, who we'll touch on later. Tom Powell's had a strong season. We love him here at A3. And I think, um, look, Ben Mackay as well has had a, had a great season in general given the responsibility he's had, boys. It's been uh, him sometimes defending by himself. But, look, they've got... You know, six weeks left in the season to get something out of it. I think that what the key will be with um, Adams coming in, boys, is identifying which rookies are going to be around and to keep and which ones they're going to either trade or just delist and, and stick thick with those rookies and, and play yeah. them. But I, I suppose the question... The oh, sorry, Miller, go on. I was just going to say, yeah, with, with the coaching situation, you talk about the caretaker cap, but I'll get your thoughts first and then Docs. Who do we see getting this job? I think... It's going to be very interesting. Yeah, uh, we talked a bit off air about, you know, the biggest name that's still out there is obviously Alistair Clarkson. Um, mm. I'm not a fan of the idea personally. I know you boys, or Doc, I know you you like the, the suggestion, but 
I just think it puts an unnecessary spotlight on North while they're still rebuilding. These kids don't need to be hearing about their coach every single week on the news, and it's going to be constantly in the news cycle whether he's the same as he was, whether he's doing worse. Um, whether he can still adapt to AFL standards. You know, I think of a guy like Lee Matthews, who once his time came, he knew to step away from the game mm. and he just let his legacy speak for itself. Um, I think Clarko would have a Malthouse sort of, um, you know, situation where he'd come in and take them over for a few years but not do much of note. I think someone like, uh, someone who's been experienced, who maybe um, has had success, someone like, I don't think Paul Ruse is going to do it again, um, someone like a Choco Williams at Melbourne, if they could coach, mm. get, coax him out of there, I think would be a great get, Doc. But I know you think they need someone long-term for the future, not someone who's going to hand over to someone else um, and start building from there. I think having Adams as the caretaker is a great idea. VFL coach, he's obviously got experience with all the young guys, so he knows how they've been performing all across the year. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I want to hear your thoughts, Doc, because I think a, a caretaker handover would be the way to go. But I can also see the arguments about finding someone like Frio did with Longmuir to be the guy for the future. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a bit of an interesting situation here with North Melbourne because Frio, I think they were sort of already on the on the way up with their list. Mm. Um, they just have they just didn't have the coach to get them there. I think what North need is they need an experienced head to to get them out to to at least build up their culture and build up their standards and and then then follow up with the game plan and stuff. I'm not too against the idea of, of of that Paul Roos type situation that Melbourne had, you know, a few years ago when they were um when they were at the bottom of the well. Um, have have a guy like Choco Williams, you know, r- run the show for maybe two to three years, or even or even Clark over two to three years, and and let somebody else come through, like a Dean Cox, somebody who hasn't been an, a yes. senior coach, uh, uh, someone who hasn't been a senior coach yet. But yeah, look on on your comments about Clarko taking over i think wherever he goes next year there's going to be spotlight on him regardless uh, i think no matter like whether it's essendon whether it's gws whether it's you know whoever whoever you know may, may, maybe even the danny non seconds if he gets a gig there um <laughs> he might recruit clay thompson to the danny non seconds uh don has got a great relationship <laughs> with him at the uh, nba yeah, um, no, it, it fit right in there, uh, Clay Thompson. <laughs> strange, strange operators at Dandenong. Um, I, I think, oh, it's, yeah, it's tough. I, I, I don't know if, if uh, somebody like a like who, who's who's an assistant coach in the in waiting in the wings is is the right option. I feel like it's either going to be going to be either a senior somebody who's had senior experience like Choco Williams, Clarko, uh, Don Pike has even been tossed up uh, as as a potential mm. name. Um, somebody that knows how to get there, and somebody that knows how, like somebody that's had grand final experience at, at the very least. Um, either that or a succession plan. And even then, I'm not entirely sold about the idea of a succession plan, Miller. I think, mm. yeah, I, I'm with that, Doc. I think Don Pike's a great option. I think, um, as you said, established. He, um, you know, he's had great success at Adelaide. In fact, he's you know set himself at Sydney. He's discovered a few more tricks to his bow and. I think it's not a bad idea, boys. Him and Dan Cox, maybe if they get the two of them down and um, get the duo down there. I'm sort of with you, Kat. Oh, actually, no, I'm definitely with you on the Clarko comment. I think that um, there's no question that Clarko is one of the greatest coaches of all time and, you know, he's had great success. My other question as well around here, boys, is I, I don't know if he's proven that he can coach a rebuild. Yeah, um, he hasn't done it for 15 no. years. <laughs> you know, he, he's obviously... Yeah. The last few years with Hawthorne, when they started going downhill, it seemed like he 
wasn't adapting necessarily to what the club needed. Some of the recruits that um, him and Graham Wright were bringing in, I thought, didn't really mm. fit the club. I don't know if he'd be the guy to do it, especially with the recruiting team at North Melbourne that's had a large turnover as well. 100%. Um, so I, I think, like I said, I just think it would be a multi-house type scenario. And I think um, he said he's open to coaching again, obviously. So we never know. We never know how it might turn out. Um, but I could honestly see him going more to a team like the Giants if he was to do it as opposed to a team like North Melbourne. I don't think he's the guy for them. Speaking of the Giants, Kat, would you approach Leon Cameron? You know, a, a guy who's had great winning success, particularly over the last three years, um, mm. and then maybe take, have him keep Adams on and um, work something out there. I feel like um, Leon Cameron's got a great experience about building a list and player development. I feel like he's done a great job at GWS getting the best out of guys that um, you'd say sort of had a ceiling and he's pushed them past that. So um, while his game plan isn't the greatest, and I think that's one thing that you touched on perfectly, Doc, is what is going to be Norse identity, as David King would say. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and if maybe, anyone, <laughs> maybe we get David King on board, Miller. Oh, I tell you what, he seems he knows everything wrong with North, so he'll be able to fix all the problems down there, the big bullfed. So I, uh, could, I could see um, Leon doing an Alan Richardson type yeah. role, um, Doc, that he's been doing it at Melbourne, where it's been more of a behind the scenes kind of thing with Choco in the footy management position and Richardson kind of supporting that oh. sort of thing. I think you know, established backroom staff, I think, is something that North really need as well. That rusy half-on, half-off crap, yeah. I don't think worked out okay. well enough more than they need. People who are committed to, to really turning the club around. Scott Burns as well, Doc, yeah. is a name. I want your thoughts on. From yeah, no, he's, he's been... He's been he's been around the assistant coaching circles for a long time, Miller, and I think he's been close enough mm. to getting several over the years. So he'd he'd be he'd be someone that you'd look at, you know, if if North were going down the path of perhaps a succession plan, where they have an experienced coach for a couple of years and then somebody as an assistant for to take over, a la like Paul Ruse and, and Goodwin uh, yeah. at Melbourne. Um, so yeah, no, it's not it's not not a bad shout. Um, and as well, you know, a guy like Adam Kingsley has probably been around yeah. been around the traps as well for for a fair bit. Uh, on Leon Cameron, I don't think he, I, I don't see him being a senior coach anytime soon. I, I think I think I'm with you, Cat, as being that sort of you know maybe a like head of head of coaching or, or mm. one of those like little BS BS roles <laughs> on, on 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 the bench, whether it's at North or or somewhere else. I know the dogs are. Uh, should be looking at um, getting some experienced assistant coaches because the ones we've got at the moment are in their first year and doing absolutely nothing for the club. <laughs> uh, sorry to bring my own club into this again. Um, but, no, no, it's, it's interesting. Um, no Ross Lyon, please. No. No Ross Lyon, and I think I would really consider thinking about Clarko as well, Cat. One thing that me and you have talked about is the finances that would be involved in uh, mm. bringing Clarko back. I think that would be another thing that could possibly unhinge a North Melbourne club that doesn't need to get any more unstable. But yeah. interesting couple of weeks to see. I want to see how North respond. And unfortunately, it'll be against my mob. Uh, but <laughs> far out. Well, caretaker uh, coaches, Miller, have a very strong record in their oh, first game. yes, I'm so, aware. I'm <laughs> aware. We never know. Geez, uh, I haven't seen you this fired up about your mob for a long, long time, Miller. Yeah, the way we're playing, Doc, I think North will pump us. And, and North were impressive on the weekend, uh, as we'll just say quickly. I thought they had a great crack against Collingwood and 
just ran out of legs a bit, mm. uh, but they definitely showed a lot better what they've been tracking on the year. But one team, Cat, that's been good all year is Geelong, yes. and you wanted to talk about them. I know. We're popping over to the complete other end of the ladder. They've gone into first place after this week. They toppled the Ds, uh, unfortunately, for my tips, which oh, I can't <laughs> wait to get to that later. But uh, I've been so impressed with the boys. We talked about them a mm. few months ago, about the young boys, but... I think some of the leaders and veterans haven't gotten as much spotlight either uh, throughout the year. I know we've got a couple of guys that we're really, really high on. Before we do t- talk about the older guys, I do want to talk about one young man who we've also sung the praises of this year, uh, Sam DeConing, Doc. Um, the way that he's stepped up in this backline in the absence of Tom Stewart has been quite literally nothing short of incredible. Um, I don't give this guy m- much props either, but Jack Henry too, I thought. Uh, he's dropped back down to the back line after a bit of a trial run up forward, and he's been great down there as well. Uh, I just think that those two have stepped up so, so much this year. Um, it's a very unheralded back line at times in Geelong. We hear about Blitzars, we hear about Stewart, but guys like him, like Jed Buse, who don't do the, the flashy stuff, they just get it done every single week. You know, There's a reason why he's always in the team. Yeah. I would say a lot of those guys would be among Chris Scott's first pick at the moment. Yeah, pro- m- most likely. And on Sam DeConey, he did. I think he had the job on Ben Brown on, on the weekend and kept him relatively useless. Which is, yeah. which is, look, it's not, not 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 an easy feat by any means, but it's certainly not the hardest either. But not the, the way the he's fact that, at the moment, bloody Ben Brown, the, Doc, he's been hopeless. The, <laughs> Absolutely, Mel. But the fact is, Sam DeConing has had these jobs on on the mm. on the big tall forwards every week, and he's actually come up on top. He had a, he had he had a sensational matchup on Norton a, a while back. Which I I I was just at, which absolutely earned my respect for him as a key defender because he's Norton's certainly not the uh, the easiest man to beat in the air. But as well, we, you do, we want to talk about young kids, cat. I, I I absolutely love how Max Holmes has gone about his footy mm. this year. He's just sort of flown under the radar and at, on, on, along the wing across half back. He, he he was he was at his best again with um with the seventeen touches and one goal. You yes. know he's just, just quietly building his form up really steadily and. Whilst we're talking about guys that have sort of been flying under the radar, this man does not got does not get enough appreciation for mine. Uh, Mitch Duncan, boys, yeah, you know, consistently solid every week, and, and this one probably was more of a standout than than you know past games. But when you when you've got a team that's got Dangerfield, Dangerfield's going to take all the credits, and he kicked four behinds. Well done to you, mate. Uh, this week, <laughs> you. Um, and 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 the likes of Hawkins and and Jezza Cameron, they're the guys that take all mm. take, take up all the spotlight. And and guys like Duncan and, and Guthrie's a guy that probably doesn't get enough credit either. Um, they they they're just sort of quietly going about their business, and no one's really batting an eyelid about it. Well, except for us. <laughs> but they were both crucial on the weekend, Cat. Both two mm. goals each. So from your midfielders, or Duncan was playing everywhere. Really, he was half back, midfield, forward at times. So. Yeah, I think, I think that, that versatility yeah. for sure, Miller, is something that mm. hasn't been too praised throughout his whole career. And uh, he's shown it, you know, at 31 as well, just played his 250th last week, that he is still capable of, you know, I think he's the player that North wish Jack Zeeble was. You can, he's a leader, got a little bit of height on him, great mark. You can plug mm. him across any line of the ground and he'll perform. You know what you're going to get. Um, I think he's just such an unheralded hero, like you said, Doc, and... So damaging with the footy as well, Miller. You know, 32 of those touches, mm. the kicks. And Mitch Duncan is one of the better kicks in that Geelong team as well. So if he's got the ball in hand, it's something you want to see him doing. Yeah, it's been good having him off half back with the distribution, Doc, hasn't it? And mm. I think that that's something as well. And I think on the Coney, just quickly, I, 
I said a couple of weeks ago that he's definitely a sniff of the All-Australian selection. And you both chuckled, and it's understandable because it's pretty ridiculous, a first-year player. But I think that he has been so consistent all year. He's only missed one game. I think, as I've said with the All-Australian side, you need to be playing at least 19 games, 18 games to get a look in. And I just think he's been that bloody good. So that's the thing. But Tom Atkins as well, Doc, we wanted to talk about, the man I saw at the pub. Uh, he's, a, he's a great, great, great operator since going into the midfield. He's had lockdown roles. He's had tackle roles. But finding a lot more of the ball and confidence in general and his clearance work, particularly against an elite Melbourne midfield, is what stood out to me uh, on, on Thursday night. I just think that he's stepped up to another level from a simple pressure forward, lockdown back, Doc, to a really important midfielder. Well, what we learned on Thursday night, uh, Miller, is that he loves extracting a ball out of stoppage as much as he loves extracting a beer out of the pub, um, <laughs> young Tommy Atkins. But the, Geelong won the clearances quite comprehensively, both in stoppage and, and in centre clearances, plus mm-hmm. eight in centre bounces and plus ten in stoppage clearances. And Tom Atkins was probably one of the one of the one of the few that was leading the charge because he had nine clearances for the game, and yeah. and also and 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 a third of them came out of centre bounces. So. It's the thing I love about Tommy Atkins. And a while ago, when he was, you know, making his start, we were sort of wondering, you know, what, what what's his purpose in this team? It's a little bit like, a little bit like I'm describing Nick Holman, but it's but it's a different, but he's a different sort of role player. Tom Atkins, he's just the kind of guy that just goes in and under around stoppages. He's a great, he's a great little clearance player. That and and they've got a good play, and and they've got a good one on their hands. Somebody that can maybe alleviate a little bit of pressure off Dangerfield as he enters in the um. His twilight years and and Joel Selwood probably in his last year you'd, you'd assume hopefully um, but <laughs> but hey. I, I, I but I think this kid this guy's got something to show and and ten ten contested possessions I think he the only the only players that had more were Dangerfield and Guthrie so he's a he's a guy that I can see in the long term I I think he's a guy that can sort of help hold up that. That uh, midfield division, and particularly with Parfit not playing either, mm. um, I think I think he's going to be very crucial for Geelong heading into the finals. Where yeah. do you see Geelong finishing, Cat? Given their run, pretty healthy run home. Uh, they've got Carlton this week, which will be a tough game, and then Port at, in Adelaide, which will be tough. But then the Bulldogs, St Kilda, uh, Gold Coast, and West Coast. Do you see top two guarantee, or what do you think happens? I think it'd have to be pretty close to it. I think yeah. the games you can probably lock in as wins at this stage. The Eagles, uh, the Dogs at GMHBA, sorry to say, Doc, I think uh, that'd be pretty convincing for the, the Cats. But um, Carlton's obviously a tough one. Port away, I wouldn't be sleeping on them with the form they're in at the moment. Um, and even Gold Coast at Metricon, um, yeah. I think, would be a real challenge. The Saints, I think, would be a different story to when they played them earlier in the year, especially at home. I think they'll... Um, have their number there. But uh, no, I think they've got every chance to finish top two here, if not um, full on top spot. They've got a pretty 50-50 run compared to most of the rest of the teams around them who play exclusively top eight teams, um, which Mm. is going to be, you know, tough for them. Melbourne's sort of similar, but they've got an extra game against the top eight um, after they play Port and the Bulldogs the next two weeks. So I could see them finishing on top of the ladder, boys, which is very, very dangerous if they get the double chance we know, obviously, in finals, they are a different team to how they play home and away. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like they're just peaking at the right time, Geelong, which maybe in past years they haven't done necessarily. Um, if they can come into finals with this really strong um, momentum, 
I can see them finishing up there. I don't know about you boys. Um, well, I don't know about what you think, Doc, but um, I think they're a chance for top spot. I'm looking at their run home here, and I can see them winning. I think I think they can win all of them. Um, obviously, I, I don't. I, I think Carlton is stumbling a little bit at the moment. Port is probably going to be the biggest challenge of them all because I, I I think they've actually started to find good form at the right time of the year, and I wouldn't be surprised. With, I, I scoffed at it last week, but I but after um, seeing them on the weekend. I wouldn't mind. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they actually overtook everybody to take up that last spot in the ladder. The way yeah. they're going, um, the dogs—that's a win, uh, especially at the GMHBA <laughs> Stadium. Um, he's, he's written them off already. Yeah, uh, no, nah, put a line through it all. Um, yeah, Saints they should win over there at GMHBA Stadium. The Suns will be interesting. I think they. I think they'll get it done, but I think the Suns will give them a right scare. And uh, West Coast at GMHBA Stadium, where we all know how much the Eagles love traveling to Geelong. Um, so I, I think what it is, I, I, I can see, I can see them make, I can see them finishing first. I, I think five out of, at least five out of six is doable. Mm. I think I can see it happening too. Well, it is an interesting one that race to the top four, because there's a very, uh, opposite position or opposite scenario, um, for another team Miller. And that is the Brisbane Lions after this week. An interesting one. Obviously, lots of changes through COVID. Um, they ended up making I'll ten get, changes uh, to the game against Bombers. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, go go easy on them. You know, yeah. we know we know your mob one cat, but um, they they missed about they missed about half their best twenty two. No, yes, we know this. But the other issue, Miller, is that a lot of these changes did come through injury as well. They also had about four injuries to worry about mm. um, out of this game. Notably, a couple of guys. In their leaders, Zorko, we know he's had a couple of minor injuries issues this year. Thankfully, nothing too bad for them. But uh, another one where he's going to be a test this week with the hammy. Same thing with Daniel Rich, Jared Berry, all these soft tissue injuries all of a sudden. Um, it's interesting for the older boys, it's Rich and Zorko, because if they get rushed back in too quickly, uh, they're every chance to do it again. Uh, yeah, which is we saw with Zorko, Cat, didn't we? Yeah, scary prospect for them on the verge of finals if they're not getting these guys healthy. It's going to be critical, very, very critical. And Jackson Pryor, I know he's not a big-name player, but was building some nice form on the wing the last month, and he's been a big out. And Jared Berry, as you mentioned, has been critical to the midfield. So, look, I think Brisbane, they would. I think Chris Vega was not happy. I watched his presser on the weekend. Uh, even though, as you mentioned, a lot of changes, Doc, they still thought they should have got the job done. But, look, they've got some guys finding some thought form. I really liked Brandon Stasevich's game on the weekend. Boys took a different role. This week played more offensive-minded, uh, which we haven't seen since his sort of rookie year because since then he's been a lockdown operator. But mm. he's a very good kick. We know that. We, we love that about Stasevich here, 26 at 80%. So a positive to build from that if Rich is going to be out a bit longer. Um, but I think what is going to be critical is finding ways to goals away from home. I think that on the weekend, you know, McCarthy kicked three, but the big O kicked two, Robinson kicked two, Danaher and Cameron only a single each, and Bailey won, Rayner won, and Hitwood won. So they need to have more impact offense- offensively. We saw last year, Doc, that when Brisbane were hard to beat, they were scoring consistently 110-plus. And there was a patch, I think, for about six weeks, home and away, games at the Gabba and away, where they were just putting up massive scores. So they need to get back to that. Um, and I think what they'd be particularly frustrated with is giving up 100 at, ho- at, at home to Essendon. Mm. So I think Brisbane, they got a tough – do they have a tough run, I thought? Oh, I yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty tough for the Lions. They've got 
uh, a number of top eight teams or teams contesting for the eight. Uh, next week, or this weekend against the Giants, um, but following that, they've got the Q Clash, the Tigers at the G, Carlton, St Kilda, and Melbourne. Two of those last three, Carlton and Melbourne, are at the Gabba, so they've got that advantage at the very least. But, yeah, the, it's a pretty tough run home for them. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, I, I think... It's so it's so hard it's so hard to make a make a call on Brisbane after after this week because as we said they 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 missed half half their um half mm. their best twenty half their best twenty two but the I fact think even is, before that doc they were fluctuating pretty hard and yeah. when you're a team that's already been going up and down uh, such a big drastic change all of a sudden now they've got to build these guys back together over the next couple of weeks while having a couple of these leaders out possibly this weekend so I think that could throw a real spanner in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no. I was I was going to say that they are a bit wobbly at the moment, Brisbane, especially against um, sides around them. So if they couldn't, and and Essendon win, you know they're finding some form now. But if they can't beat a team that's sort of in that bottom four category at at home, we say the Gabba's a fortress. But I think the walls are starting to come down at Brisbane. Um, <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're still like the the thing. The positive thing from Brisbane though is that even though. Like they're they're the, they're the best scoring team in the comp at the moment, and they still managed to score ninety points, mm-hmm. a, a, a half strength Brisbane against Essendon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just their, their their defensive line. I'm not too sure about because they because they are that they're they're ranked. I think they're ranked they're ranked outside the top eight for um for conceding points against. Mm-hmm. So so I, I think that's where that's where it all goes. We talked about Marcus Adams being you know the man, you know the man of the hour uh, at Brisbane. But uh, but I don't know where I don't know where the assist where the assistants come from. Like, well, like, that's a great and, call actually, Doc. I like that call about the defense because you know they gave up 117 against Hawthorne, 99 against Frio, 117 against Melbourne, and they haven't scored over 105 in five weeks, Doc. Brisbane, yeah, well, so. well, what 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 even before he went out, well, Harris Andrews' form has been a little bit concerning. I mean, he had a good game against the, he had a good game against the Dogs. Wouldn't be too hard. I but his uh, last. He was starting to build back to his yeah. not his all Australian caliber level, but he was definitely starting to build a bit of form. Yeah, ag- agreed, agreed. I I think he was starting to find a little bit of form to- before he went out. But it, but stars, but you know, we say stars. had a great game offensively and defensively, he was pretty good too. But hmm. the the depth sort of falls apart after that. I think you know, I'm not not seeing like guys like James Baden are still trying to find their way. Carter Michael had a debut. Tom Fullerton. Jack Payne still sort of a, a depth player at best, and and Tunstall. These these guys are oh. still relatively new to the Bloody system. F- Fullerton, Doc, I just cannot believe uh, he's still getting uh, a gig. Uh, I know you don't. I know you don't like Tommy Fullerton Miller. But... Uh, Carter throat shown something. I thought, Mister Michael. Um, I thought he was good, and yeah, I agree. There's a couple of things though, Doc. Do you think maybe they've got to throw somebody else down back um, to help out stockwise? Would you throw? Maybe Hipwood or McStay down there to get some bit more marking support. I thought uh, Payne was good. Um, he had a crack, and but I just feel like Joe Danaher's best when he's operating in space, and Cameron one out can work. Mm-hmm. And I think if you've got Bailey and McCarthy around them, if you go with McStay and Hipwood, I feel like it's too cluttered. I know McStay's the amazing lead up forward that's definitely not worth six hundred k a year, but I'd rather see him. I mean, he's drafted as a defender and can and he's got great set of hands. So he could provide some marking support. 
Tandy. I think I think a part of it as well, Doc, is with Zorko's move down there, I think they've got too many guys who are not accountable one-on-one defensively. Oh, God, no. Rich, Zorko, and Kitty Coleman all down there are obviously more offensive-minded off the half-back line. Um, you've really only got Starsevich, who's probably playing lockdown of the the smaller to medium types. Um, so I think that sort of leaves a bit of an exposure gap in there. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good call. Um, it, it's sort of a little bit. It's sort of a little bit like the dogs, where they're a bit leaky uh, across the, across the half back line. Mm. You know, guys, guys aren't willing to defend. Mm. Um, oh, it, it, it's it's tough. I, I'd like to see Kitty, uh, Kitty Coleman play a little bit more defensively minded. I think he can do it really, really well. Um, and as and as well, I, I don't know. I don't know. We it, it becomes it becomes a little bit stretched. At that point, I'm not sure. Like, I think McStay, if I, I think as a, as a third tall, allow, allow Harris Andrews to come back as a come back as an intercept marking defender. That's where he made his name mm. as an All Australian a couple of years ago. McStay is not a bad call because he's because he has played at fullback before and, and probably gives a little bit more space for Hipwood and, and Danaher to lead into. And if they want to play Cameron as that one out, that, yeah. then they then they can. I think it's um, a good idea, Doc. Uh, I, and I think as well it would kind of help McStay in, in terms of, you know, free agency coming up. It could increase his value showing that he could play um, either end for a team if they want, you know, a bit of support down either end. So, uh, and, and, and I think as well it would help them a lot because I think Brisbane are probably are probably going to concede the fact that he's out. Yeah. He's got. He's he's going to go to. I think Collingwood are the front runners at the moment, but he's going to he's going to go back to Victoria at the end of the season. So might as well, might as well try and play him somewhere else. You know, try and get a little bit more of a feel. You know, maybe maybe get an extra extra string to the bow before he leaves. Um, might, might, you know, could be. You know, wouldn't be the worst idea in the world for mine. You don't like it though, Cat. I saw your face before. You're just not, uh, not a fan of the Miller inspirational idea. <laughs> oh look, I don't know. I just don't know. What would um, you do then? I mean, defensive wise, if you want the best out of Harris Andrews, Marcus Adams has struggled. You, you're going to need more support, uh, and don't say Darcy Fort down there. <laughs> no, if anything, I think they need to get Darcy Fort spending more time um, forward. up forward again, like the, like he had been before Hipwood came back in. I think that's unravelled them even a little bit. Um, but I don't know. It's hard. Last year they had, I think. It can't be understated not having a Hodge or a virtual type back there who's not only directing traffic, but they are the type who can use the ball off the back line, but also are a bit more accountable. As slow as virtual was um, last year by the end of his time, I think it just adds something that maybe they were missing, like I said, with too many offensively-minded guys. Um, they were a great balance of defense and offense last year. Mm. They're a fantastic offensive team, but it didn't go without the, uh, the back line as well. So... I'm not sure what the solution is. I think just consistency, and that's going to be hard to get for the next few weeks when you have got a couple of those guys out. So um, I don't know. It remains to be seen. I'm I'm ready to be I don't know surprised this weekend if they do swing something strange like you said, Miller. But uh, the Giants are a good chance to do that, um, and we'll see what happens. I suppose. But before we move on to our segments, we just wanted to take a couple of minutes to. Um, touch on uh, a pretty shameful act that happened on the weekend. Um, some racist abuse sent through to Mickey Frederick and Michael Walters um, post the game against St Kilda. Obviously, um, you know, it's horrible to see every single time it happens. Um, and I'm glad to see both of those guys calling it out. 
well and truly um, on their socials. Miller, obviously the AFL releasing a statement, Freo as well. Um, it is horrible that this still happens, but um, I think the more that people speak up about it, the better it is. Yeah, 100% agreed. And I, I like that, yes, as you said, the, the players have made it public because it's just showing that they're human just like us, um, you know, and it's just terrible that anyone should have to experience that, whether it's in a workplace, on the street, um, you know, professional athlete, whatever job you do, whatever, you know, um, setup you're in, you shouldn't have to experience that. So, yeah, it was pretty average. Um, and I, I hadn't actually seen the comments till yesterday. Mm. Um, I actually uh, saw on... Ab- absolutely Co- disgusting. I actually saw on Courtney Dempsey's story as I, um, I started, I spoke to him a couple, about a year ago now, and we did a Zoom and... Um, yeah, I saw on his socials he um, he sent them, and yeah, it looks pretty. It's bloody terrible. So, of course, here at A three and everywhere in in the world, we we don't condone that disgusting behaviour. So we just want to uh, make it known that it's pretty terrible, and we're always to support those that uh, need it because that's um that's bloody dreadful act. But they've handled it really well, Walters and Frederick, and we just hope that we don't have to see this rubbish anymore because it happened to Chol earlier in the year and. Um, it's happened to um, you know players all over the league for the last couple of years. So we got to get this stuff sorted out. But yeah, I think that Freo handled it well in the AFL, obviously doing the right thing. And I tell you what, the operators that sent it should definitely never be able to attend a game again. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. And, and as well, can I also add that um, there was also quite quite a few disgusting anti-Semitic remarks towards yes. uh, Todd Goldstein on on the weekend, particularly on Twitter. Um, and look. Absolutely, it's it's disgusting. I I can't comprehend why people would go on social no, media and and say and and say this sort of shit. No, it's no. It, you know either they're not right in the head or they're just a completely shit ass human being and yeah and should would be better off six feet under as opposed to having a having a platform on social media. But mm. anyway, that, that's that's just me. That's, I, um, I think the, the only positive that I take away from these kinds of things is seeing how much the teammates and everybody yeah. does stand up you know in times gone past it would be brushed under the rug and not addressed and people would be told to suck it up and get over it but um i think you know it's as bad as it is that it does happen the fact that all these guys do have so much support around them and people yeah. doing the right thing and sticking up for them and having their backs is just great and hopefully the more that happens the less people do it and the more that they start to realize that everybody deserves um you know the same level of respect so good on good on Frio good on the AFL good on the boys and their teammates for getting around them and supporting them when they need it um well handled by everyone involved as it always is um we'll move on to who's the man boys uh some great performances out of this week uh especially in a couple of well not a couple of losing teams just one losing team here we don't do it very often Doc, and I know you always like to call us out on it when we do do it, but you've gone for one this week. No, 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 Catalano. <laughs> um, that, that would be Alex Miller, who's done it again. Uh, three for weeks in a row, Cat. For, for the third week in a row. I was going to go with Nick Larkey for his five-goal effort against Collingwood because we don't talk about North a lot. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to bypass that, and I'm going to give uh, Alex Miller an aneurysm by revisiting uh, the Gold Coast-Richmond game on Saturday night. Right, and the man... Swapped, Yes, yes, yes. Um, I've I've gone with Noah Anderson, boys. The uh, the match winner from uh, forty from about forty points down. He ca- he came up and said, uh, "Anything you can do, Mister Carmichael Hunt, I can do uh, ten thousand times better." And 
kicked the, kicked the game winner, one of his two goals, but he also had 26 disposals, nine marks, seven tackles, six clearances, 651 metres gained and 12, 12 contested possessions, seven intercept possessions, seven score involvements. I can rattle off a whole list of uh, statistics, Alex Miller, and one one, uh, one broken heart for yeah. you. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, um, shit. We were terrible. Yeah. He was fantastic. He was kicking them well too. He kicked it at about eighty six percent all game long, and and the nine ground ball gets as well. He he was doing everything. It, it, it was almost a breakout performance of sorts for mine. We know Anderson's been a consistent performer since he's come onto the scene, but I think this was his best game in his career. Yeah, like good shout, Doc. All right, Miller, who have you gone for this man this week? Yes, well, firstly, Ken, I'll just address it. I messed up the run sheet, so I've put you in the hot water, but it's actually my fault. I got the names mixed up there. But I, yes, have gone three losers. Uh, I've gone three losers in a row. Uh, But I'll tell you what, they should have won the game and they had a great crack. Um, Luke Davies, Uniac boys from North Melbourne. Been really good the last month, and particularly this year, had a really, really good season. But 33 touches on the weekend, 11 tackles, five marks, 12 clearances. That's right, 12 clearances, 791 metres gained to go along with 14 inside 50s, seven centre clearances, eight score involvements, five intercept possessions at 75%. I mean, that is some game if I've ever seen one. He is a really good player. We know there was lots of doubters when he first started if he's going to be anything. I've always been a massive fan of his work um, since I was watching him in his juniors and it's great to see him playing some really good footy and, and doing all he can to help his team try and win. And, uh, yeah, my man is the uh, UDL, wrong way rant, but uh, he was very good, <laughs> Davis Uniac, again. Oh, but, Kat, I can't believe you picked this guy as your man. Oh, I know. Uh, oh. Oh, but tell us who it is. Well, you know, the Sydney and the Bulldogs game, um, I think there was plenty of players that you could have picked out of this one. There were plenty of guys that got their props during the week. I want to say I, before... I, I reckon you've picked the worst of the lot here, Kat. No, no, no. Hey, no, wait for my reasoning. I've got some good reasoning, you know. Everybody was singing Papley's praises, Chad uh, Warner's praises. Great games from those two. They were phenomenal. They had huge matches. Chad Warner. Yeah, the Chad. The Chad. But my man is neither of those two because I thought there was a man who played a more important role in this game. Early on in the match, boys, Pete Laddams went down with an injury. He was subbed out almost immediately. I thought, oh, that's going to be it. Hickey's out. Uh, there's no no hope for the Swannies here. English is going to go on a rampage. He's going to get over the top of them. First few chance from midfielders every time, <laughs> no doubt. But this man stepped into the ruck. He took over. He won 25 hitouts, had 15 disposals, kicked a point. Didn't kick a goal, unfortunately, but that's all right. <laughs> he was still good. Six score involvements, seven clearances, and the most important stat of them all, 13 tackles. So pressure this man was laying... After every single ball up mm. was absolutely outstanding. And the name might surprise you because it's Sam Reed, boys. Oh. This was quite possibly one of the greatest games of football I've ever seen this man play. Better than any games where he's kicked huge bags. I think the way that he stepped into the role in the ruck literally nearly saves the game for the Swans here. Like I said, I thought English had every opportunity to go absolutely bonkers after Laddins went down, but. Reed stood up, he took over. 15 contested possessions, may I say as well, boys. Every single time he got the ball, it was a contested possession. He was playing some of the hardest, toughest footy I've seen from a key forward mm. going into the ruck uh, and then playing as an extra midfielder uh, in my life. I thought he was phenomenal. 
And I credit the majority of that win to what he was able to do in the rough. So that is why Sam Reed is my man this week. Jeez, uh, I'm, I'm disappointed he didn't go Callum Mills. He basically penetrated the entire Bulldogs midfield <laughs> in, four, in, in four quarters. Well, he um, was a key side with two dogs, 16 tackles as well, certainly speaks for itself. No, nah, it was a great, great shout. He played really, really well. And to Tim English, um, I hope you learned your lesson. You know, don't, be, <laughs> don't, don't be a lazy prick around the ball. <laughs> no, he was, he was phenomenal, boys. One of the best games like I said, I've ever seen him play. He was outstanding. But crack into Doc's deep dive now. Uh, we've got yes. a young man who's been awesome this year, Doc. He's come out uh, as an absolute gun. Not that he wasn't already. Uh, Kane Corns' ears are pricking up because he can hear that he's still better than Sam Walsh, apparently. Tell me about this man. Who's your deep dive this week? The deep dive this week, Cat, is about uh, one man. It is close to it is close to Kane Corns' heart, and it's probably a good reason too, because he's actually found himself some really good form uh, this year. Uh, I think I think I think we might have we might have gave him a bit of a roasting earlier in the year for not doing much, but absolutely Con- we did because he wasn't. But kind of rosy boys. How, how well is he playing at the moment? And just 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 to give you a bit of an outline of how well he's playing, I've I've written down a list here of. I've written down some some stats. Um, so between rounds one to six, so this is before the everyone's talking about his move to the center bounce towards the center square as a mid, as more permanent midfielder. Between one rounds one to six, his average center bounce attendance percentage was about seventeen percent, mm. and he, and that included two games where he actually didn't feature in a center bounce at all. But since then, rounds seven to seventeen, his average center bounce center bounce attendance percentage is sixty nine percent. It's gone up by it's gone up by over fifty percent, and in between those rounds, he's kicked eleven goals, all of the, all of which have happened in the last six games. Has not gone under twenty disposals in in any game. His clearance numbers have bolted up from one to four per game. He's also averaged nine point six contested possessions per game, six point seven ground ball gets per game, and tackles and pressure acts have also gone up. All, all career highs for it. And we you look at look at his game on the weekend. His port was by far the standout in a game which you know, no one will probably write home about it, except for me because I had to do it for the mongrel <laughs> on the weekend. Um, but his game was superb. Uh, it was a game that sort of lacked real match winners, uh, I thought. But you know these, these points here, I, I want to sort of touch on exactly what he does and what 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 has made him. Turn turn his form around, and it's also helped Port a lot as well, mm. because because they because they're back knocking on the door in the eight, um, which is, which is strange when you consider they were zero and five at the start of the year, and everybody wrote a line through him, including us. Yep. So look at a couple of his goals here uh, early in the first quarter. He kicked two in the first quarter. Um, the first one is classic forward craft. We all, we all know his first. His first year, he was playing more as a forward, and he kicked, I think he kicked about 35 goals or so. Very, very good first year. Um, so in in this play, the ball's, the ball's across the wing half-forward line, and, and Rosie sort of camped inside the attacking 50. He's got Isaac coming as the direct matchup. Um, so the ball, the ball's prepared to go inside forward 50, and Rosie's stayed deep. He's not preparing. He's not moving. He's, he's sort of leaving that space for the ball to go to. And, and allow him to run onto. And in this particular spot, coming makes no body contact at all. So Rosie knows exactly when to go, and he's got no no pressure on him whatsoever. So the ball's kicked onto into that space, and Rosie just goes up on the lead, takes an easy, uncontested lead-up mark, goes back, kicks a good set shot. Later on in that quarter, this is the 25, 25th minute mark. It was an amazing goal. Great 65-meter great perler. Um, 
but he he positioned himself as as that defensive kick um ahead of play. So Gino Biscotti kicked the ball out. It's turnover. Port try to bring it back inside fifty. They turn it over. GWS try to rebound it, but Rosie sort of positioned himself in that sixty-five meter range, mm. and he takes and he takes that contestant and he takes a good intercept mark uncontested. Almost, I, I say almost lucky in a sense, but he, he goes back. He's about sixty meters. He's he's about sixty meters out. And if you go back and watch the replay, how he kicks the ball, he he gives he gives it a good he gives it a good arc. But he doesn't allow the ball to leave his hands until basically the ball touches the boot, and that and and that's and that's what's and that's what's a big part of hitting the ball sweetly in any in any game of football, you know. Is it's just that close ball drop, and he got that sixty meters. It's a great great goal. Uh, Ronnie Farrell would have been proud of, <laughs> of that Miller. He loves a long range goal. He does. Um, we go to the third quarter. Um, it's it's early early on in the pace and it's a, and there's a stoppage clearance here, uh, sorry it's a center clearance, um, and he and it's a center clearance by free kick so he he, he engages early with his with his uh, GWS counterpart, and he and he enable and he allows the GWS player to just sort of grab him and 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 win the free kick and they go and they go forward he, he uses the angle really really well he goes out to, outside towards the broadcast wing, and they get an inside fifty entry because of that. We go a little bit later. We go a little bit later in the game to the fourth quarter. This is an interesting play here because he he's involved a couple of times. Um, so the ball is the ball's contested at half forward. Rosie starts in front of Charlie Dixon because the ball's coming towards Charlie Dixon, and he's waiting to crumb. He doesn't get the ball because the ball sort of goes goes towards a different direction, but he follows it up with tackle and forces the stoppage. So in this corresponding stoppage. He begins to drift towards goal side, towards um towards their attacking fifty. But as the umpire lifts the ball up to throw it up, he find he, he darts back towards the stoppage and he finds himself at the feet of Charlie Dixon. No Giants player willing to run with him, and he ends up getting the easy clearance and and Port move the ball forward. And uh, the last point I want to make, make mention is in the fourth quarter, twenty fourth minute. This is this is another one of his of his goals. He kicked four. So Gray has the ball at centre half forward. Robbie Gray has the ball at centre half forward, and he sets it up towards the pocket where Jace Burgoyne. I think it was Todd Marshall as well. They're, they're sort of there, trying trying to bring the ball to ground. And Jace Burgoyne does a great job of holding the ball up in 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 general play, and it allows Connor Rosie. He sort of started around that half forward line to just sort of drift towards the um the front of the contest, and Burgoyne dishes out a great handball to Rosie. And again, has the time and space to steady. And and line up with a good check side and kicks his fourth goal of the game. So, I think what Connor Rosie's found here is a great balance of, of midfield and for, and forward power. He, he, had, he kicked four goals, but also had a, a, had twenty four disposals. I also want to get his tackle numbers out because he also had four tackles inside fifty. And I thought, and I thought, oh, sorry, he had three tackles inside fifty. But I thought that just goes to show Port's forward pressure. They suffocated the Giants on, mm. on Saturday night, and it was and. And he wasn't the only one who suffered them, who suffocated them forward with the ball. You know, Ronnie Farrell had four tackles inside fifty. Mitch Georgiatis, Mitch Georgiatis had four tackles inside fifty. Bergman got a bit of it too, and Sam Powell Pepper. So, look, Connor Rosie has been in phenomenal touch, and I think he's, I think not often I say one player is the key, but Connor Rosie is the key to Port mm. being that outside chance. I think they can Bradbury it 
in the finals. Because <laughs> oh, no one else wants to make it at the moment, apparently. No, I, I think uh, I think the Suns are too raw. I think give them another year. I, I think I think the dogs are cooked. I think the Saints <laughs> are cooked, and the Tigers are too inconsistent, Miller. So I think mm-hmm. Porter run. I think I think Porter found the right the right form at the right time. Not a bad shout. We suck. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so do we, Miller. So, um, there you go. Alex Docky, Connor Rosie is going to lead Port Adelaide to finals. You heard it here first on A3. Um, and just and just so you're wondering, I'm not Kane Corns. <laughs> That's right, Doc. I'm, we, lo- we love the big calls, we love them. I'm, I'm not a moron. I'm not a 300. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, and I'm also not a 300 game ex fireman. I think that's a pretty informed decision there. Well, yeah, great deep dive, mate. And uh, you're very, very right. He's been in thrilling nick, and I think it's great to see him and Zach Butters performing out of their skin at the moment for the power. They've been fantastic. Um, Miller, we'll head it over to your team of the week now. I think we might hear a few familiar names in here, but a few guys we haven't touched on yet who had some very, very nice matches. And there's been a late change cat to the wing position. Oh, hello. We'll find that in a minute. But, yes, we'll start at uh, the fullback's position. Sam Doherty was really good in, in Carlton's win. Only up by 10 points, boys, at three-quarter time, but came to storm home in the end. 28 touches for Sam Doherty. He's been pretty immense this year. Uh, ben McKaiser mentioned only 14 touches, but kept Mycher, Cox, and the other tools at Collingwood pretty quiet, except for Darcy Cameron, but wasn't his matchup at the time. Hayden Young. Had a good game, boys. He's been pretty consistent all year. And such composure we talk about for somebody his age. I think he's got such poise operating across halfback. 23 touches and eight marks. We love that from Hayden Young. Charlie Ballard. Yes, not just because smothering Jessica Stenny looking like a goose. He was great all day, Charlie Ballard. And can't talk about him enough. He's been so consistent. Mitch Duncan, who we touched on. Amazing player, so consistent week after week. Danny Rioli, boys. I thought he's had an immense last two, three weeks. He's... Tried his guts out every game. 31 touches on the weekend uh, to go along with five marks, four tackles, and to go uh, 11, uh, sorry, seven inter- uh, score involvements, nine intercept possessions. The intercept possessions stand out for me for a rebound defender. Really good effort from him. Jordan Clark, he's the late change, boys. He's on the oh, wing. I love it. Career Ooh. high, 30 touches. He's been moved onto the wing since Fife come back, and it's moved some magnets around. He's gone off the halfback, was really good, 30 touches. Very impressive. The other Fremantle do command into Andrew Brayshaw, boys. This guy's got to be a contender for the Brownlow. He hasn't had a bad game yet, I don't think. He is literally being tagged and still outstanding. 36 touches, 10 tackles. That's right, 10 touch tackles and one goal. Only one clearance, but playing a different role on the outside this week. We love it. Shy Bolton, boys, he's in there as well for Richmond. He had a good game. Kept us in it for, you know, when we looked like we were going down a bit. Three goals, three, 29 touches. Eight clearances from Shy. You gotta love that from him. Uh, big Peter Wright. There he is. Hello. Yeah. Oh, oh, big making Joe Danaher looking like a goose in that trade uh, where they got the pick. So five goals from Big Peter. We love it. Connor Rosie docks uh, deep dive. Outstanding game from him. Four goals and a boatload of possessions and so many deadly kicks. Doc, I thought as you mentioned, Rosie's real strength this year. Ben Ainsworth, boys. What a game he had from on the weekend. Two goals, one, but 26 touches from a half forward. I mean, that's outstanding. 14 marks. God, when's he going to relax? Uh, 12 score involvements, six inside 50s as well, playing more up the ground. I really liked it as a half forward operator this week. Mitch Lewis, I tell you what, we love this guy. Week after week, boys, he looks like he's really turning to some player. Five goals to go along with 12 touches. And 
the hand therapist he's going to to get his marking mitts is working a treat. He's <laughs> loving it. Um, Doc was not loving this player on the weekend. Tom Papley was very, very good. Two goals, five. He missed a lot, but 24 touches. Garden uh, gnome. <laughs> the garden gnome. Got very involved uh, for a man who's living in the garden. Uh, the followers, Sean Darcy, the big fridge boys. How good was his goal from the pocket? Didn't even know he kicked oh. that it was that good. Uh, outstanding game from him. David Shuniak, who we touched on the late game. And John Caldwell, Cat, you would have seen this underrated game. Not his disposals um, and his goal in particular, 26 touches and a goal, but kept Lockie Neal very, very quiet. The run with roll. We love it. Player coming of age there. Nick uh, Suvalaki or Sigalaki, as he'll now be known as with the five goals. <laughs> Noah Anderson, Doc's man of the week with the clutch game winner. Outstanding shot from him. We've also got Dylan Moore, the head ducker. 29 touches, but he's playing up the ground and was very, very good. Dylan Moore played extremely well. And the final man to roll out this lineup is Isaac Heaney, boys. Had a very good year, Heaney. Underrated four goals, 17 touches uh, to go along with nine score involvements. Yes, nine score involvements from Isaac Jeez. Heaney. But that is the oh. team this week. It's dynamic. There's a late change, and we love it. It always is. So, well. like taking a, a note out of Chris Scott's playbook with the late changes the last few weeks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Try my best. For, for, for all the listeners at home, uh, Miller, why have you called uh, Nick Larky Sigger Larky? Well, this is uh, when I went to the Kid Leroy concert a couple of weeks ago. I went out to a pub and uh, saw Nick Larky. They were enjoying the buy, uh, and uh, he's just having a diary with his mate. And good on him, uh, living his best life, Nick Larky. So good on him. Just uh, uh, but yes, yeah, so he's enjoying himself, Nick, with a look like a rum and coke and a and a cigar. So good on him. Some real Max Gorn areas there with uh, Nick Sigalaki. Oh, it was great seeing the players just live their lives and enjoy themselves. Luke McDonald was having a couple of beers and uh, enjoying himself as well. So that's the team of the week, boys. Very dynamic. There's no coach this week because uh, David Noble was sacked. So Memorial <laughs> Round. Uh, in his, in his honour. In his honour of uh, him not having a job cap, we've said no coach. Uh, he, he can take up the uh, team of the week as a bit of a paycheck. But the tips... My God, Cat won't Well, I've well and truly sewn up the wooden spoon for this year. Three <laughs> tips, boys. That was an absolutely shocking effort from me. Doc's pulled well away from me. Now. Uh, I'm on 85. Doc with the six on 89. Miller with the big seven on 100. He's cracked a ton with a few weeks to go. Uh, I think I think I'm due for a shit one sometime before the end of the season, Cat. So don't don't count yourself out of the spoon just yet. Oh, mate, I tell you what, uh, I'm not keen, especially with this week. There's a lot of fifty-fifty games that I'm worried about, uh, particularly on Saturday night. I don't know who I'm going to tip in those ones yet, but we'll start with Friday night. I'm going to be at this one. I'm going to be harassing Bebo and Rats post game and asking them why they suck and why they don't want to play finals. Uh, because neither of these teams appear, appear particularly keen on doing so. But uh, it's going to be a big one here, Doc. I'm curious to see how you're going to tip. I know you haven't been very happy with your mob in the past few weeks, and it's kind of season in the balance stuff here if the Saints get another four points ahead of you. Yeah. Uh, well, look, there's some, there's some news. There's some team news in. Uh, <laughs> ba- Bailey Smith will come in. Um, he's back back after serving his suspension for being a twit. Um Josh Bruce, Josh Bruce should be playing. Uh, he kicked yes. four goals, five in the VFL. Uh, came back from a hamstring, sort of little minor one uh, from a couple of weeks ago. He, he should be, he should be back in. Tommy McLean played really well as well. Come, came back from an ACL injury. He had twenty-seven disposals against uh, the boys from Sandringham. Get him in. Um, 
don't do not play Tim O'Brien. Um, <laughs> he, he he did play well, but do not play him. I would like to see them. I would like to see Bevo play more of the kids. Play Sam Darcy. Give him a debut game. Uh, get Luke Cleary in. Um, I want to see Arthur Jones in when he comes back. I yeah, think he. I, like I think that. that's a great shirt, though. I, I think he he missed uh, he missed last week because I think he almost did exactly what I did. Split his eye open. Yeah, he's been um, in good form though in the VFL, Arthur Jones. No, he, ha- he he has been. He has been. I've I've liked what he's what he's brought to the table and uh, he's, get lucky. He's Hunter probably got out. the fist fist meme from Arthur uh, because <laughs> had Bevo not picking him, uh, <laughs> Arthur Jones. I I told you to pick me. <laughs> so, Docker, you want to see the selection shake up this week? If you yeah. get all these guys into the team, surely you'd have to consider yourself a pretty decent chance of getting the win here. With no confidence, I will back us in this week. Um, I've I've rubbished us all all week, um, especially especially in the episode today. I've thrown a bit of but, rice. Um, but the Saints, jeez, oh, I don't know where they're at. They, I, they, I think they, if, Bruce, if Bruce and McLean are in dock, the Saints backline's been absolutely despondent. I'm seeing a few bags in for your mob. Well, well, Doogie's not playing, is he? No, he's no. still he's still a few weeks away, Doogie. You know, so, you know so, Cat's so, serious doc when he whips out Despondent. That's a great summary. Look, oh, this is a tough tip. I'm going to go to the dogs as well, pending team selections. Yeah, um, yeah. well, well, if Tom Highmore and um, some bloke called Joyce is their, is their key defenders, then yeah. I'm, I'm I'm worried. I'm worried for them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're better than that, I'm going... I'm going to go to the dogs by 23 points, boys. Yeah, so I think I, I'm going to say gonna... 41. Oh, oh that's rude. So, same margin that Freo beat them by. A few bags in coming here, Doc. The Saints backline has been shit. I say 25 that, for the Bulldogs. That, that is rude from you, Alex Catalano. <laughs> oh, I just got the steering. Well, also, also, also rude as this time slot. What's Adelaide and Collingwood doing at one forty-five <laughs> on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon? Uh, so the Crom supporters can get home nice and early once they realise that they suck again. Um, I think yeah. the guys will be in for another win here, boys. Just a little bit of a blip on the radar against North. I think they'll bounce back here. Yeah. Darcy Moore come back in this week, or is he still a, a little bit out? It's a test. Well, I'm going to see Mr. McCafe's presser tomorrow, so I'll ask him what the latest. Ask him for us, Cat. Yep. Because I'm yeah, sure so. all the class supporters will be dying to know how he's pulled up in training this week. This is a, this is a big game, isn't it, Doc? Really? Because Adelaide, they'll be bloody disappointed with how they had to go on the weekend, um, and they they have been okay at home. Like they gave it to Melbourne two weeks ago now for three quarters. So look, this yeah. is a danger game. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the pies. I think I think yeah, as you said, Cat. Last week was a bit of a reality check for them. Lucky to get away with the win. Um, I'm just not sold on, on Adelaide. I think skills-wise, they're still very, very poor. They're very disorganised when they move the ball out, out of uh, out of defence. They turn the ball over too easily. Yeah. Um, I think the pies will. I think the pies will crucify them here. Speaking of Crom Cat, we saw that Taylor Walker signed a one-year yeah. extension, which is good because I had to have an argument with the bloody halfwits um, <laughs> saying that he's going to the Suns. And, uh, uh, I don't know how much more of a stupid call you could make. Uh, oh, the only more stupid thing, I'll share this on air as well. Actually, yes, Kat, do explain that. Uh, it's a three-way trade involving... Oh, bloody, and I can't even believe that this was even put up. Uh, Jacob Hopper <laughs> and Sam Draper to Adelaide. Uh, Matt Crouch to Essendon and some picks across to the Giants. Uh, possibly the stupidest thing I've ever heard. If we get Matt Crouch for Sam Draper, I will literally go and support somebody else because that is 
the strangest <laughs> trading decision that I've ever heard in my life. I'd like to ask uh, you, Doc, actually, just quickly. How the yeah. hell are all these people valuing Matt Crouch as an asset when he's been in the twos for half the year? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. How does that work? Know. How can he be worth a first-round pick but barely get picked every week? How does that work? <laughs> There are still some clowns that value the ability to pick up the ball and pick up uncontested <laughs> possessions. Um, or um, pick up the footy and handball it to blokes in danger. That's it. Um, I, I think I could raise you that and give you what Cam Luke said and suggested that Don Pike oh. coach North Melbourne and have Ross Lyon as director of coaching. Oh, no. Is that, that was his grand plan, and my grand plan for him is for him to get sacked, Cam Luke. Yeah. Uh, who are you tipping, Cat? Doc's go on the pies. I'll go oh, the, the pies, pies as well. Sure. Pies yeah. uh, also as well, Cat, when you see Mr. McCaffrey, order a vanilla chai, will you? Um, <laughs> I'll, bring, I'll bring it back to you. They're in at the moment. <laughs> see what he can do for me. Uh, the other game on the Saturday, Arvo, Giants and the Lions. Um, I would have said it would be a danger game for the Lions if, they, if the Giants weren't playing like shit. So, uh, Lions. <laughs> Monica Oval, is that? Um, yeah, playing in Canberra. Oh, is, yeah, it's, yeah, it's Canberra. Um, that's great. Uh, I'm going to go Lions. Yeah, oh, depending on the teams, I'll go Lions. They should get a few of their boys back in this week, though. So, if, if, if they suffocate uh, GWS's uh, rebound, they win easy. All right. the, the danger caretaker game here at Miller. North Melbourne <laughs> taking on your mob at Marvel Stadium. I'm, go- I'm going North, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Dimmer hates Marvel. He hates it. Exactly. Dimmer hates Dimmer hates Marvel. He also hates the four thirty five time slot. I can't remember the last time Richmond won a game at that time slot. Um, I'm going to back and, the Tigers uh, in Miller, but I think North will take it right up to you. Oh, I'm not backing us. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! No, this no, is a I'll, tough. This is. I I will back your mob in Miller, but they've got to be better than last week. I tell you what, we do, Doc. Shit, our second half. Mm. Uh, they're lucky if they lose this week, they will not be spared on the podcast. But um, look, we, we need to win this game. I think North showed a lot last week, so I'm obviously tipping my team because I support them. But I'm very worried, as you said, Kat. I think they'll give it right to us. Be a good game. Top, Tom Lynch out. Uh, Nan Curvis probably doubtful. But um, Cochin could return. Josh Gibkiss should return, and Bolter should be in as well. Where's Dusty, Doc? I don't care. Um, Dusty's playing. Um, no, no, nothing, nothing from Dusty. Hopefully, he gets up. Get him into Ruck. I tell you what, we're in. <laughs> oh goodness! Uh, yeah, you, you, as well as so before we move, glad that Soldo's out because he's done absolutely nothing for this team. Uh, yes. Um, if Samson Ryan plays, though, chalk up a win for North Cat automatically. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's averaged 27 hitouts for the VFL side yeah, this year. And I've averaged watching him and feeling ill every time I've watched him. <laughs> one to one ratio on the hit out there. Uh, this, this should be gathered around here, though, Cat. Yeah, Carlton, and Carlton and Jerome at the G. Going to be a huge, huge clash. Weedering obviously coming back in um, last week for the Blues is great for them. Um, good to see him up and about. Uh, they're in t- the Blues are up and down the last few weeks, boys. They've had a few good wins, had a few interesting losses. Um, the Cats, obviously, like we said, in the form of their life at the moment. It's a hard one for me. I- I'm tempted to tip Geelong here. I think they might continue the win streak going along. Um, I'm still very doubtful on Carlton uh, as as a finals con- as a premiership contender. I think they fall asleep too often. Uh, in in games like they have like they'll have like these games like they had last week against West Coast where they just blow them out of the park and then they just fall asleep for maybe a quarter and a half or maybe even two quarters. Um, I'm going I'm going Geelong, and and it'll, and it'll be by a fair margin too. 
I'm going Geelong as well. And with the next game, Cat, I'd like you to note the time between this t- the last game we just spoke about and this one. Uh, so the Carlton and Geelong game, starting at the disgusting time of 7.25pm. The Freo and the Swans game, starting at 7.30. What is it? Five-minute warning, is it? <laughs> Five-minute warning to the bounce. We like a nice, clean, round 7.30 there at least, Mill. Not yeah, we do. Five-minute then... intervals. But what is this? Five thirty over in the west, though, Miller. Nah, nah, nah. I mean, your clock's back. Your clock. You're living over there. Your clock backwards anyway. So you're, you're <laughs> used to living like that. Uh, I think Freo here, boys. They're on a they're on a little streak. And uh, Swans have been good though. But I think Freo. Yeah, oh, it's a tough game. Uh, Sydney, I think beats. I think Sydney beat Freo over there last last year. Mm. Um, so I think they know how to play the ground real well. But as you said, Freo are in pretty good form, and at Optus Stadium, yeah, I, I think they've been quite good. They've mm. been quite in form at home, uh, six and two at, at, at Optus Stadium this year. I know I just sung Sam Reed's praises, but <laughs> I do worry about no Hickey <laughs> and no Laddams for this game, boys. Um, I think that's danger signs for the Swans there. So I'm going to back Freo in for this one. Well, they're saying that Tom Hickey might be in. Cat, so we'll we'll have to wait and see for the yeah, team. Wait for the team. It might change my mind if he's in. Um, Is Michael Knoll still on the list? No, no, no. Oh. no. Horse, horse, horse shot him years ago. Okay. Nice, is still hanging around somewhere, Miller, like a, like a bad smell. I tell you, what, I love him, but yes, he he probably should give it away. Uh, look, yeah, I'm going to go Freya. Yep. Uh, so yep. Is anyone going to be watching this game on Sunday, Arvo? Hawthorne and West Coast at the MCG. Um, no. Uh, no. I'm not uh, even convinced I, I, that anyone's going to be watching it anywhere, let alone You need to regurgitate your lunch, cat, if you have something bad to eat <laughs> and you need to get it up quick. Probably flick it over to this game. I actually uh, might I, I, the Eagles here, boys. Um, yeah. I know the Hawks just got the win, but I, I could see a little upset here. I was Eagles. thinking that as well, cat. Eagles at the G were good against us. Uh, if they play... They were very good in the second quarter. Uh, me and Doc were talking that they were running home, but then they ran out of gas. So I think another week under the belt for the players that are back. I think they're a real sniff here. Yeah, oh, it's a tough one. This I'm going one. Eagles um, as well. I'm with you, Kat. It's a tough one. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather be watching uh, Tinder Swindler on Netflix, uh, Miller. <laughs> um, you can watch it in the final game of the round, apparently. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh... I'm gonna gonna wait for the teams, but at the moment I'll go Hawthorne at the G. I thought they were very good in their first half against Adelaide, and fair enough. I just they they're not 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 a four quarter team yet, so I expect West Coast will, will give them something. Fair but enough. uh, we'll, we'll just just we'll just wait for the teams on that one. We're talking about danger games, boys. Melbourne and Port here. Clayton Oliver going to be out just for a week with that thumb issue, unfortunately. Oh, um, we just said we're just talking about Connor Rosie, Zach Butters. They're in impeccable form. The midfield's going along nicely over at Port Adelaide. I don't know. I can just sniff something brewing here up in the top end. <laughs> yeah, I can, I, can sniff, I can sniff it too, Cat. I can sniff it too. Um, <laughs> I think everything everything's aligning here. I, I might tip the power. Scott Lysett, um made his return on the weekend. Yes, Cat he should be available. He should, he should be available. He played all right um, in a, in a in a sma- in in being on the wrong side of a smashing. Um, oh yeah, but how do you, but Dixon and Finlayson and the Ruck have been good. Mm. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm going. I'm going Port here, boys. I'm going for a couple of upsets here on the Sunday. Ooh, I'm I'm going to go Port too. 
I, I, I like them. I like them here. Melbourne are a bit wobbly. Melbourne are a bit wobbly. I say here. M. Elbin. M. Elbin. Three votes. <laughs> Three votes. Um, <laughs> All right, final game of the round here. The Dons and the you know, Suns. You know what? This game doesn't deserve to be 440. No. I, think this game could be, I think this game could be a lot better than that. Yeah, two teams make up a good matchup here. Uh, I think as much as I've enjoyed our form of the past few weeks, uh, I think the Suns are still well and truly in the hunt. They're going to be fired up. I think they'll beat us here. Um, just, I don't know. I don't know how the Suns play outside of Metricon. They play very well at Metricon. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm very doubtful about them away though. Hmm. Uh, that's the thing. Two meter Peter revenge game here, boys. <laughs> it, it, t- two, two, two and five uh, away from home this year, Gold Coast. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick Essendon. I probably, probably, I'll probably regret that, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick the Bombers at the moment. What? I, I go, I go, Sun. All right, Suns, it is. <laughs> the mighty Sun. We split on a few games this round, boys. It's a, it's it's a tough one to tip, I reckon. It's a tough round. This is probably the toughest tipping round, I reckon, for a while. Oh, we've got a few ahead of us, mate. All these top eight teams playing each other across the end of the year. Uh, we're gonna have our money cut out for us, but um, I think that's gonna do us this week on the A Three Footy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening <laughs> along. I can see myself getting three three tips right this week, Cat. Yeah. So you'll be right 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 back into it. Oh shit, mate. If I get anything above five, I'll be amazed. Um, <laughs> make sure you follow us on our socials so you know when all the new episodes are coming out. A three footy podcast on Facebook and Instagram at A three footy on Twitter. And we have our email as well, A three footy at gmail.com. If you haven't already given it a listen, we had our draft review episode last week for the AFLW. It was a huge draft. Uh, lots of players finding their way to new clubs. So make sure you give that a listen back before we get well and truly into the preseason there. And I can't wait, boys. These last few weeks of the year, it's going to get very tense. I uh, don't think – I still got no idea who's making up that eighth spot. Uh, we're going to find out in the next few weeks, though, so it should be good. With all that said, I've been Alex Catalano. I've been Alex Miller. And I've been Alex Doherty. Tune in next week for more, I'm sure, shocking tips. And we'll see if any of these bold predictions that have come up this week come true. Thanks for listening.